It's 1982 and I just ended my time in the army. After getting home I found nothing had changed. That and my experiences in the service left me in a poor mental state. I loved the outdoors of camping from an early age, so I foolishly decided that camping in the Florida Everglades would give me the peace of mind I desperately needed. After three days I had enough. I packed up my gear and headed out only to realize that I had somehow gotten myself lost. There were about seven hours of daylight left so I climbed the tallest tree I saw to get my bearings. The tree was pretty thin and just as I saw the way I needed to go, I slipped down and fell above 16 feet. My knee and ankle were sprained very badly and the pain was nearly unbearable. I limped as far as possible in the direction I needed to go but soon I couldn't stand the pain anymore. Finding the path leading out, I sat and started scooting backward as best I could. It was hard going as the path was made of crushed shells and gravel. An hour later and I saw a large cat come out of the bush. It slowly started towards me much like a house cat does when he sees a bird. Feeling very vulnerable and unarmed, I knew I was in deep SHT. Each time I scooted backward, it would lunge and sort of flop its front paws. Craziest thing I ever saw. It was about ten yards from me when from my right came a rock about the size of a softball, flying horizontally like a missile. It struck the side of the cat's head so hard that aside from literally exploding, it folded around backward and slapped its body. I heard the crunch and saw the blood mist on impact. I swear every single word is absolute truth. I looked to the right and saw him standing there just inside the tree line. Massive dark hair covered except his face. It was dark but easily human like we made eye contact and I felt very calm. To this day I can't be sure if I heard or just felt safe, but I heard that word inside my head. I looked back at the cat. I thought it made a gurgling sound. I still don't know, but when I turned my back, my savior was gone. I was replaying everything in my mind when I heard a crack at five o'clock. As I turned toward the sound, a long thin stick came flying out of the trees, landing a few feet behind me. I never saw or heard him after the first moment, but I was positive he threw me a crutch to help me get on my feet and make it out. Over the years I held the experience to myself alone, knowing I'd be locked up if I told anyone. There are bad apples in every species, but people need to understand they have compassion for us unless attacked. This happened at Yosemite National Park. I found myself face to face with the inexplicable. As a park ranger named John, my job often led me deep into the woods, but nothing could have prepared me for the mysteries hidden within those ancient trees. It all began when I stumbled upon an old, dilapidated cabin tucked away in a forgotten corner of the forest. The cabin was weathered by time, its wood worn and splintered, and yet there was an undeniable allure to its desolation. With a mixture of curiosity and trepidation, I pushed open the creaking door and stepped into a forgotten past. The interior was musty and filled with a sense of abandonment. Broken furniture and tattered remnants of what had once been a home littered the floor, but it was the discovery of a journal, tucked beneath a decaying mattress, that sent shivers down my spine. The pages were yellowed and brittle, and as I read the words scrawled upon them, 
I was drawn into a tale of horror that had unfolded decades before. The journal belonged to a former park ranger who had vanished without a trace. His entries chronicled his patrols deep within the park's woods, where he had encountered an unknown predator and entity that defied the natural order and filled him with unspeakable dread. The description he provided was hauntingly vivid, etching an image in my mind that I would never forget. The creature he had encountered had overlong arms that hung nearly to its feet, tipped with claws that stretched an astonishing eight inches from its long-haired fingers. Its entire body was covered in a glistening silver fur that seemed to catch the light in an otherworldly way, and its feet, massive and hairy like those of a giant, ended in size 35 human-like feet. The most disconcerting feature, however, was its head, resembling that of a grizzly bear but with a shorter, deeply scarred snout. The creature bore the marks of battles with beings even larger and more fearsome than itself. Yet, despite this fearsome exterior, its piercing blue eyes exuded a sense of ancient wisdom and experience. The journal entry recounted a terrifying battle between the former ranger and this enigmatic creature. The details of the confrontation were lost, the pages bearing the remnants of some struggle that had torn them from their binding. As I held those brittle sheets in my hands, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was entangled in a web of darkness that had been spun long before my time. As the sun dipped below the horizon and the shadows lengthened within the cabin, I couldn't help but wonder if the creature described in those pages was still out there, lurking in the depths of the forest. Did it truly kill the former ranger, or had he somehow managed to survive and escape the horrors that had pursued him? The nights that followed were restless, plagued by dreams of those piercing blue eyes and the terror that they held. I patrolled the woods with a newfound unease, my senses heightened, searching for any sign of the silver-furred creature that had haunted my thoughts. The mysteries of the abandoned cabin and the journal entries continued to unravel in unexpected ways as I delved deeper into the history of the park and the legends that had whispered through the trees for generations. With each step, I felt as though I was peeling back the layers of a reality that had remained hidden from the world, a reality that threatened to consume me whole. And so, amidst the towering trees and the haunting calls of unseen creatures, I found myself entangled in a chilling tale of the unknown, a tale that blurred the lines between legend and reality, and that left me wondering whether some nightmares are rooted in truths far more terrifying than we dare to imagine. Back in high school, my friend's family had a break-in. This family lived in a rural area, and their land was a little tough to find. Most people got lost trying to find it the first time, and usually they'd need to send someone to the road to flag down anyone that might be looking for them. Law enforcement, pizza guy, guests, etc. Some guy had broken into one of the sheds and had possibly stolen something, so they had called the police in the middle of the night. This particular night, they didn't want to send anyone to the road because they thought the burglar was armed and possibly still in the area. The police seemed to have found their land easily and went about their business for the night, investigating the shed and sweeping the property. They found the guy hiding in the barn and arrested him, open and shut case. Homeless transient that nabbed some tools from the shed. Once they were wrapping up, 
One of them said it was okay to call the lady that flagged them down at the entrance to their land back to the house. The family hadn't sent anyone to the road. I have always been an avid hunter, spending most of my free time out in the woods. I have hunted everything from deer to turkeys and even tried my luck at trapping. However, nothing could have prepared me for what I experienced one spring morning 15 years ago. I was turkey hunting on my family's property along the Grand River in Ionia County, Michigan. The birds had flown down from the roost and gone in the opposite direction of where they usually went, making it challenging to track them down. Despite my efforts, I couldn't get them to come to any calls. Frustrated, I decided to take a quick nap and leaned against a big oak tree. It was a beautiful day, and the warmth of the sun felt good on my skin. I must have drifted off because I woke up to the sound of the strangest roaring sound I have ever heard. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before, and it sounded like it was right on top of me. I was instantly filled with fear, thinking that some creature was going to tear me to pieces. I held my 12-gauge tightly, ready to defend myself. The sound came again, and this time it was directly overhead. I looked up to see a hot air balloon above the treetops with a blonde woman firing the burner, and an elderly couple looking like they were having the time of their lives. Feeling relieved, I let out a deep breath and chuckled at my reaction. It was then that I heard something else, something in the distance, and it didn't sound like any animal I knew. I froze, unsure of what to do. I listened carefully, and the sound became louder and more distinct. It was then that I saw it, a Sasquatch. At first, I couldn't believe my eyes, thinking it was a bear, but as it came closer, I could see it was something else. It stood over eight feet tall and was covered in dark hair. Its eyes met mine, and for a moment, we just stared at each other. Then it turned and walked away, disappearing into the woods. I sat there in shock, trying to make sense of what had just happened. For years, I had heard stories about Sasquatches, but I had never believed them until that moment. It was a surreal experience that left me questioning what else was out there that we didn't know about. From that day on, I always made sure to keep my eyes and ears open, knowing that anything was possible when it came to the mysteries of the forest. When I was just a kid, I lived in a rural area in central Indiana, surrounded by open fields and dense woods. The nights were dark and quiet, punctuated only by the sounds of crickets and the occasional howl of distant coyotes. It was a simple life, but I loved it. One night, when I was about ten years old, I awoke with an overwhelming urge to relieve myself. My family's house didn't have indoor plumbing, so I had to step outside to do my business. I groggily pulled on my boots and trudged out into the chilly night, the full moon casting eerie shadows across the yard. As I approached our old rusty pickup truck parked near the edge of the woods, I unzipped my pants and began to pee. It was then that I noticed something strange. There was a looming presence behind the truck, almost as if it was hiding there. My heart skipped a beat, and I squinted my eyes to try to make out what it was. The creature stood about seven feet tall, with thick, shaggy red hair covering its body. 
Its eyes seemed to pierce through the darkness, sending shivers down my spine. The air around it was heavy with a sort of energy that whispered into my soul, urging me to leave immediately. I didn't need any more convincing. I zipped up my pants and bolted back into the house, slamming the door behind me. My mother, woken by the noise, came rushing into the room, her face etched with concern. I breathlessly recounted what I had seen, my voice shaking as I described the strange creature. Without wasting any time, my mother decided that we needed to move. She never told me why, but I think she believed in what I saw that night. We packed up our things and left our rural Indiana home behind, moving to a bustling city far away from the woods and the creature that had frightened me so. As I grew older, I would occasionally come across stories of Bigfoot and other cryptids, but none of them seemed to match the description of the creature I had seen that night. It wasn't until I stumbled upon the movie Underworld and other werewolf films that I began to wonder if what I had witnessed was a werewolf. The resemblance was uncanny, but I still wasn't sure. Then one day, I discovered the story of the Beast of Bray Road. As I delved into the documentaries and witness accounts, I felt a chill run down my spine. This was it. This was what I had seen all those years ago. The descriptions matched almost perfectly, from the red hair to the menacing energy. I've spent years researching the Beast of Bray Road and other similar sightings, trying to understand the creature that haunted my childhood. I don't know if I'll ever find the answers I'm looking for, but one thing is certain. That fateful night in rural Indiana changed my life forever, and I'll never forget the chilling presence of the creature that lurked behind the truck. I always loved being up in the woods of Washington. The cold, frigid air cuts through my clothes and makes my bones cold. The kind of cold that makes your soul take a deep breath. I muster my strength upon a steep incline through these woods. I keep on telling myself, one more step is all I need. When you know you're in a tight spot, you always encourage, or for myself I lie to myself. Helps keep me going. I turn around as I finally reach the campsite and welcome the achievement of life that I'm at. The sun is now going down and I pitch up my three-step pop-up tent. I begin to crawl into my half-made tent like a dog runs to its kennel after being awake all day. I take my baby wipes out and begin bird-bathing myself. Even though I'm freezing I know sweat is all over my body, especially the amount of layers I wear currently. Jeans off, jacket off, sweater off, socks off, shorts off. I feel relaxed and refreshed cleaning myself off after this eight-hour trek through the woods of Mount St. Helens. I open my map and begin to chart my next destination in dreams of Mount Rainier after St. Helens. Crack, I pause and carefully peek out my tent liner. I don't see anyone or anything. I lay down enjoying the nature around me and begin to drift off. Crack, I sit up and open my liner and I see a face. A heart pounding and this pale white man runs across my tent into the tree line. I begin looking through my bag to find bear mace and my camping axe. I clutch it with white knuckles as hard as I can and I step out my tent. I turn around and see a ring of men in black robes around my campsite staring at me. I run into my tent and phone for the park rangers. Rangers pick up and I scream, 
Help, I'm being stalked. There's dozens of people around me. Please get here as fast as possible. I stay in my tent staring at my phone. With every minute passing by, I become more fearful. Breathing speeding up with every breath anxiety shaking my body. All I hear is, who phoned for the rangers? I bolt out of my tent to see two rangers on four-wheelers armed with hunting rifles. I look and no one is around us, just me and the rangers. I hop on their four-wheeler and one hour later I get returned to their office. I get handed a bulky camera and I cycle through the photos. Pictures of me throughout my hike were taken. Distance shots and pics of me even urinating outside. Till this day I don't go to the woods near Mount St. Helens. I have had my fair share of paranormal experiences. One of the most bizarre encounters occurred in the streets of Iliupolis, Greece, where I saw a strange woman with large, protruding eyes, a high forehead, and an incredibly thin waist. She was dressed in old-fashioned gray clothes, a skirt and a jacket, and beneath them, she wore tight, transparent trousers. She was accompanied by a peculiar dog, which appeared to be a shadow hovering just above the ground. The creature was tethered to her with a transparent, thick cord. As I approached her, trying to ask who she was and when she had come from, she shot me a fierce glare and vanished into the St. George site of antiquities. The very next day, word spread that an aluminum hut had descended from the sky and landed in the nearby fields of St. Nicholas. It had windows through which a shepherd reportedly saw incredibly ugly dwarfs, one of which had the head of an animal. After a few minutes, a door opened, and a dwarf emerged holding something resembling a golden plate. The strange woman I had encountered the day before appeared as well. The dwarf bowed to her, and she filled the plate with dirt before they both entered the hut. The peculiar structure then took off, disappearing into the sky with a loud bang. So this guy and his partner get called to this woman's house. She is hysterical, terrified out of her mind. Both of the officers are trying to calm her down enough for her to tell them what is wrong. Finally, she catches her breath and tells them that he is coming to get her. The officers ask who he is. The lady starts flipping out again. They get her calmed down again and ask her who she believes is trying to hurt her. Her answer, Mr. Fay Freeze. Yes, the Batman villain. So the officer who told me this story looks at his partner, who just sighs and starts to radio in the false alarm. But then the lady starts freaking out again, talking about how Mr. Freeze is coming. So my buddy grabs the woman and tells her it's okay. He tells her he can't believe she doesn't know about Mr. Freeze's weakness. He tells his partner to give him all the change in his pockets, and he does. My buddy starts digging through the change to find quarters. Each time he finds one, he throws it into a corner of the room, until all the corners had a quarter in them. Then he tells the woman she is safe because Mr. Freeze can't come into a room that is secured in this way. He gave the woman the rest of the change and left. They never got another call from this lady. It was December 2017. I was living in suburban Maryland, 
just northeast of Washington, D.C. I woke up at 1.30 a.m. to the sound of a break-in. I grabbed a handgun from my bedside drawer and went to the bedroom door to confront the intruder, but was suddenly rendered unconscious as I touched the doorknob. I woke up naked and cold in a pill-shaped glass container. The lid was open, so I was able to stumble out onto the floor around the container. I felt drugged and could barely walk, but I thought I'd been kidnapped by someone so I was urgently trying to find an escape route. The room I was in was made of composite materials, namely concrete and plastic with fluorescent lights. I limped into a hallway that was tunnel-shaped and followed a blue glow coming from down the hall. As I walked, I came out of the tunnel and entered a large cylindrical room lined with vehicles on hooks along the walls. They were human vehicles, mostly Japanese and German cars motorcycles, but some vehicles were clearly from the American military. In the center of the room was what looked like a metal tree that was six stories tall with glowing blue leaves. But upon closer inspection, this tree was a large metal cylinder, and the leaves were capsules much like the one I'd woken up in, except these still had people inside them and were radiating a neon blue glow. As I drew my eyes further up the tree, I noticed some blue wires moving around in the dark area toward the ceiling. These clumps of wires suddenly floated down toward me and turned to reveal that they had faces in them, each with two large dark eyes and narrow slits for noses and mouths. It's hard to describe, and I hate to put it this way, but think of a stereotypical gray alien face and picture it floating in a tangled up mess of tentacles. There were three of them, one smiling, two frowning. There was an exchange of words and charades between myself and the smiling one for roughly ten minutes, but I was so exhausted, and they were so advanced that there was no pertinent information shared between us. I passed out, then woke up again face down in a puddle of my own drool on a glass floor. I was too tired to move, so I tilted my head up just enough to take a look around. The room was circular, about 150 square feet in size, and a bright sterile white color. One of the tentacle creatures was in the room, but was busy facing away and operating a set of strange controls with no buttons or levers. I laid my head back down but saw through the glass floor that we had risen out of a deep black hole that was dug into a grassy plain. A rock-shaped lid closed around the hole to cover it as we flew further up. This is when I realized I was in a spacecraft, and we had actually been in a silo of some sort that's here on Earth somewhere. I passed out and was awoken by the sensation of being dropped back first onto my bed with a hard thud. I checked my phone and it reads 6.30 a.m. The whole trip had been exactly five hours. I'm not going into any further detail, but I found an object had been inserted and cauterized into my right leg, and I had a run-in with some men in black suits within four days of the abduction. I've never believed in abductions or UFOs or men in black or any of that, but now I've got no choice. I'm annoyed that there's no official place to get legitimate information or help on this subject since the experience was traumatic and any kind of clarity would help fix that. I have always been passionate about the study of reptiles and amphibians. As a scientist based in Atlanta, Georgia, I jumped at the chance to visit the Yellowstone National Forest for a research project. 
My goal was to study the local snake populations, and I was excited to be out in the wilderness, doing what I loved. One morning, I set out on a solo hike deep into the forest to observe and document my findings. The sun filtered through the trees, casting dappled shadows on the forest floor. The quiet serenity of nature surrounded me, and I was completely engrossed in my work. As I turned a corner on the trail, I noticed a park ranger named Alan standing a short distance away. He seemed to be observing something intently. Curious, I approached him and asked what had caught his attention. Alan whispered, I think there's a Bigfoot nearby. I've been following some unusual tracks and sounds for the past hour. I raised my eyebrows in skepticism, but the seriousness in his eyes told me that he truly believed what he was saying. Intrigued, I decided to join him in his search for the elusive creature. We followed the tracks and sounds deeper into the forest, our senses heightened. After a while, we came across a small clearing, and that's when we saw it. A massive, hairy creature stood at the edge of the clearing, seemingly unaware of our presence. It had a distinctly humanoid appearance, but its size and features were unlike anything I had ever seen. As we watched in awe, the creature suddenly turned and looked directly at us. Its eyes were wide with fear, and it let out a low, mournful cry. It was clear that it was more frightened of us than we were of it. Alan whispered to me, Stay calm and don't make any sudden movements. We don't want to scare it off or provoke it. Taking his advice, I remained still and tried to project a sense of calm. The creature continued to watch us warily, its chest heaving with heavy breaths. After what felt like an eternity, it slowly backed away into the forest, disappearing from sight. As we stood in the clearing, our hearts pounding from the adrenaline, Alan and I couldn't believe what we had just witnessed. We were both stunned by the encounter, and our minds raced with questions about the creature's existence and its place in the natural world. In the following days, we shared our story with other researchers and park officials. Many were skeptical, but some shared their own stories of strange encounters and unexplained phenomena within the Yellowstone National Forest. Though the encounter was brief, it left a lasting impression on me. I returned to Atlanta with a newfound sense of wonder and curiosity about the mysteries that still exist in our world. And as for Park Ranger Allen, he continued his work in Yellowstone, always keeping an eye out for the elusive and mysterious Bigfoot that he knew was out there, hiding in the shadows of the forest. It was a beautiful summer day, and my cousin Jay and I were driving my BMW through the forest near Lava Butt. We hadn't seen each other in a while since he lived in another town, so we decided to get out of the city for a bit, have a few beers, and enjoy the great outdoors. We drove to a spot the locals called The Foundation, a concrete fire pit on the south side of Green Butt. After hanging out there for a while, we decided to drive around to the other side of the butt to watch the sunset across the lava flow. The road was narrow, sandy and winding, with tall manzanita brush on both sides. We went as far as we could in the car until the road turned into nothing more than a trail. I found a place to turn around and back the car as far down as it would go before parking. Jay and I decided to walk down the trail a bit to get a better view of the mountains and lava flow. 
We were only about five minutes into the hike when I started hearing things. Now, I should mention that I grew up in central Oregon and have spent a lot of time in the woods alone hiking, hunting, and logging for five years. I am not easily spooked, nor am I paranoid. As we continued walking, the sounds became more distinct, and I could tell that Jay was starting to notice them too. We exchanged glances, unsure of what was causing the noises. That's when we saw Park Ranger Colin approaching us on the trail. Hey folks, Colin greeted us with a friendly wave. How are you enjoying your hike? We told him about the sounds we were hearing, and he listened intently, nodding as we spoke. I've heard similar reports from other hikers lately, he admitted. Some believe it could be wildlife, while others think it might be something more mysterious. As we continued talking, Colin shared stories of strange occurrences in the area, from unexplained footprints to odd noises in the night. Although he didn't seem overly concerned, he suggested that we stick together for the remainder of our hike, just in case. As the sun began to set, we reached an open area that provided a breathtaking view of the mountains and lava flow. We stood there, taking in the beauty of the landscape as the sky turned brilliant shades of orange and red. After the sun had disappeared below the horizon, we made our way back to the car under the watchful eye of Park Ranger Colin. The mysterious sound seemed to have stopped, and we felt a sense of relief as we reached the car. Before saying goodbye, Colin advised us to be cautious and report any unusual experiences to the park rangers in the future. We thanked him for his help and reassurance, and then Jay and I headed back home. Though the strange sounds in the forest remain unexplained, the memory of that day serves as a reminder of the beauty and mystery that can be found in nature. And to this day, whenever I venture into the woods, I can't help but think of park ranger Colin and the eerie sounds we heard near Lava Butt. I am White Hawk, a young tribesman living in a lush, untouched forest, where my people thrive in harmony with nature. We have always respected the balance of the land, taking only what we need and giving back to the earth in return. However, a sinister force has disturbed the peace we have known for so long. Recently, our skilled hunters have begun to mysteriously vanish during their expeditions, leaving our tribe in fear and confusion. The disappearances have caused a great deal of unrest among our people, and as our food supply dwindles, we grow desperate for answers. One night, our spiritual leader had a vision that revealed the presence of an unknown predator stalking the woods. With my tribe's survival at stake, I knew I had to take action. I decided to volunteer to confront this predator and save my people. On my journey, I ventured deeper into the forest than any of our people had ever gone before. As I followed the trail of the missing hunters, I discovered that the predator was not an ordinary beast, but a shape-shifting creature called a skinwalker, born of an ancient curse that had been awakened. This malevolent being was responsible for the disappearance of our hunters and the chaos that had engulfed our once peaceful community. Determined to defeat the creature and restore balance to the forest, I sought the guidance of a wise elder who lived at the edge of our territory. She shared with me the story of the Skinwalker and gave me a mystical artifact imbued with the power to protect me from its dark influence. 
She also taught me to harness my own spiritual power, which would be essential in my battle against the Skinwalker. Armed with this newfound knowledge and the powerful artifact, I set out to confront the creature. The Skinwalker was a formidable foe, able to change its form at will and prey upon the fears of its victims. However, with the help of the artifact and my own spiritual strength, I was able to resist its attempts to manipulate me and weaken its hold on the forest. The battle was long and arduous, but in the end, I emerged victorious. I had defeated the Skinwalker, lifting the ancient curse and restoring balance to the forest. With the predator vanquished, our hunters were able to safely venture into the woods once more, and our tribe could return to the harmonious life we had known for generations. As I returned to my people, I was hailed as a hero. But I knew that it was not just my own strength that had led to our victory, but the wisdom and power of those who had come before me. We had all played a part in restoring the balance of the forest, and we would continue to honor the sacred bond we shared with the land and the spirits that guided us. This happened in the late 90s. I, Catherine, and my friend Rose met him together. My stalker was a guy Rose and I met on the bus one day coming home from my volunteer work after school as a candy striper at the local hospital. We were on the bus going home laughing and talking and this guy just randomly sits by us and starts talking. He tells us his name and we laugh, thinking he said his name was gay. Yes, stupid teenage girls. He corrected us and said his name was Jay. We talked a bit more and innocently gave him our names and he asked for my number, but I said no. He was like seven years older and kinda strange the more we talked to him. He got annoyed but whatever right, so we thought that was that. A few days, maybe a week later me and the same friend run into Jay while switching buses downtown. I was going to her house like I did a few times a week when we run into him. He asked for me to hang out and watch him play hockey that night. I said no, I was going to my friends. He got weirdly annoyed and kept trying and bagging me, telling me about how much fun it would be and trying to get me away from my friend. He really didn't want her to come to this hockey game either, just wanted it to be us so weird. Our bus finally came and we got out of there fast. Over the next few weeks I kept running into him downtown L. It was like he knew my schedule, and every time I tried to be nice but get away as fast as I could, and every time he would get annoyed because I wouldn't hang out. A few weeks pass and I'm at school and in walks Jay. I was so mad and frustrated and I snap on him. Why was her here and how did he know what school I went to? Did he follow me on the city bus? He tried saying that he was there to see his friends, but he wasn't with anyone just a 25-year-old guy wandering around a high school. After that, I would randomly see him on my bus, and he would always try to sit across from me and watch. He would still ask for us to hang out, and I would still say no. As time went on, he would still find me on the bus and sit across from me with who I guessed was his girlfriend, or a girl he was trying to make me jealous with. He would look at me while making out with her, he would do everything he could to make me feel uncomfortable. I would either turn up my music and do my best to ignore him or move to another spot. Nothing ever seemed to deter him. He never did anything bad enough to call the police, 
but he knew it was wrong, and he knew it bothered me, and he knew I would have a panic attack, and I'm sure he got off on that. As the years went on, I would see less and less of him. He would randomly pop up and make me uncomfortable. He started standing really close to me and trying to talk. I would have a panic attack and do my best to ignore him. I would still walk away and he would just get more pushy. Every time I would run into him, I text my friend that was there when we first ran into him and get her to calm me down. It's now 2023 so 24-ish years since it all started and I haven't seen him in the last maybe 8 plus years and I'm just praying that I never see him again. I'm 43 so he must be going on 50 and I'm still scared to run into him. I have thought I saw him a few times and panicked, but it wasn't him. I hope I never see him again. This is the only paranormal experience I've ever had at least that I can remember. It was many years ago when I was eight years old. I randomly woke up in the middle of the night, not uncommon for me, and turned over in the bed to readjust. When I did that, I opened my eyes and saw a person, or humanoid-like figure, wearing a black robe that covered over its head with a hood and draped down to its feet. I remember seeing a string around the hood as well. When I saw this thing, I instantly knew it was real, and I knew it wasn't a random person in my house. I didn't have words to explain the feeling, but I knew I wasn't dreaming, and it was not a figment of my imagination. It was way too real, and I remember the immediate fear that went through my body. The second I saw it, I grabbed my covers and yanked them over my head, went into fetal position and closed my eyes. I was terrified. I didn't know what I was seeing, why there was some random person, figure standing next to my bed. I laid there trying to calm myself down, refusing to remove the covers from over me. I felt protected under them. I eventually fell back asleep, and that was the end of it. I've never had any other experience even remotely like that. I grew up never mentioning it to anyone, thinking I'd be called crazy, until I found this sub just now. I felt comfortable enough and wanted to share my experience and ask your guys' thoughts opinions. So this happened to me and my mom a few years ago. We were talking in the living room. It was daylight outside and the shutters were closed. There was no light turned on inside of the living room, and all the light that we could see came from the outside through the shutters. All of the sudden, the atmosphere in the room became very heavy, and we both stopped talking and, I don't know why, but we both instantly looked at the windows. We could very clearly see through the shutters a silhouette of a human figure walking by as if he, she was outside of the house. I don't know how to best describe if not by a shadow. The shadow of that person was very dark itself like Vantablack or something. It was very, very chilling. I remember felling very densey heavy like I couldn't talk or move as it was walking by. Later, me and my mom tried to reproduce it. One of us stayed inside, while the other walked by outside, just like the figure did. But it was very different from what we saw. Has this ever happened to anyone of this sub? Does anyone know what this might suggest? Sorry for any eventual grammar mistake. English is not my native language.
Okay, so back in 2008 when I lived in Kentucky, we went for a weekend up at a campground about two hours from our house. Twin Knobs was my favorite place to go all through childhood. It had a little beach set up right at the lake where a good portion of the visible water was buoyed for swimmers. This particular time, my cousin Anna had come along with us. We were swimming out to the border when we spotted this old man. Not thinking anything of it, we continued to wait around. I looked back and saw the old man swimming under the boundary line, then popping back up to laugh like a lunatic. I gave my cousin the look, and we made our way back to shore as unnoticeable as possible. I looked behind me to see the freak with his mouth underwater, following us insanely close. I yelped and we made a mad dash to my mom on the shore. We ran over to tell the lifeguard. He was about 18 or so and looked almost hungover. We pointed out the guy who was still in the water and he told us he couldn't do anything about it because he hadn't seen him. Just then, the guy came out of the water in a speedo and laid down on the sand. The lifeguard laughed and said, Old Coot thinks he's hot. We rolled our eyes and went back to my mom, carefully avoiding the sight of the freak. We got lunch and then walked up the hill to leave. Just as we got to the car, Anna looked over and saw the old guy on the ground naked. He was sticking his hand under a car tire. He got up and did this about three more times to different cars until he came back up with a key. My mom was on the phone with 911 while we all hid behind a random SUV. He unlocked the car and sat inside. It was a silver Volvo with a sorority sticker on the back. He got out of the car with a camera and took pictures of people's license plates, including ours. He got back in and sped away, out of the parking lot. We had to stay an extra two hours at the ranger station so my mom could help fill out the police report. And that concludes my experience with a lunatic. My most recent one was fairly tame compared to some of the encounters I've had. Me and my now ex-girlfriend then girlfriend had decided to take a hiking trip. We rented a small one-bedroom cabin near the Appalachian Trail in North Carolina. Our plan was just to spend the days hiking and enjoying the scenery and come back to the bed. At night everything was great. For the first three days we had only rented the cabin for three days but we wanted to still hike, so we put everything in our car parked at one of the trailheads. I decided that we were going to spend the night out on the trail. It was about noon when we started hiking. Everything was great, we decided at about 7.30 that night we would set up camp on the side of the trail. That's when I begin hearing strange noises coming from the woods. I also smelled the familiar smell. I told my girlfriend we need to leave, but she didn't listen, she said it was fine and it was too dark to go back anyways. Somehow she convinced me that everything was going to be okay, even though in the back of my mind I knew what was in those woods, as I have had several encountered before this. We settled in the camp, cooked dinner at food, and were getting ready for bed when I got this terrible feeling. I'm not one to trust my gut feeling normally, but hearing those noises and smelling that smell, I told my girlfriend we need to go now. So we grabbed a couple things, flashlights, my hunting rifle, extra batteries, first aid kit, that kind of stuff. And we were going to hike to the ranger station about five miles away. 
As we begin hiking there, I'm hearing something running through the woods, almost keeping pace with us. When I stopped, it stopped. And as soon as I started walking again, it started walking again. I didn't know what to do. At this point, my girlfriend, thinking it was just a bear, told me to get my gun out and shoot at it. I told her, no, it's not a bear, it's something worse. She was confused. I told her we should just keep walking if it's not showing itself to us right. Now there's a reason so we continue walking to the ranger station. We got the clearing where the ranger station was. That's when I actually saw it. This particular dogman was about eight feet tall and either dark gray or black. I told my girlfriend to run and to get to the ranger station and get inside. It wasn't very far, only about a hundred feet. I was right behind her keeping my eye on the dogmen. The entire time we made it inside safely and told the ranger that was on duty about what happened. He said he'd seen this thing before and that we were lucky to survive. 